0: Everybody sells something, whether you are in promotions, customer service, or sales. Without a plan, you are looking at a near zero chance at success. Welcome to Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO with host Phil Bush. If you are looking to gain or retain your clients, this is one hour you and your business can't afford to miss. Now, here is your host, Phil Bush.
1: Well, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world today. This is Phil Bush, and thank you so much for joining us today for Sales Execution Optimization. And this is our hour to talk about sales. And today, I've got a very special treat for everybody, because today's show is called Sales and the Art of the Story. And I am joined today by one of the luminaries in the sales enablement field, Mike Bosworth, Mike has been a thought leader within the field of sales for, for decades, and I was, uh, I'm was i pleased to say that the very first sales training course I ever got I had from Mike Bosworth back in the day, although it doesn't show that I'm old, but anyway, Mike's been doing this for longer than uh, a lot of us have, but he's always updated what he's doing. He's been an author, a speaker, entrepreneur, story seeker, and sales philosopher, best-selling author. Of solution Selling, Creating Buyers in Difficult Selling Markets, co-author of Customer Centric Selling, and co-author, and this is what we're going to talk about a lot today, What Great Sales People Do, The Science of Selling Through Emotional Connection, Remember the Term EQ, and The Power of Story. He founded Solution Selling in 1983 with the mission to lift the bottom 80%. It became one of the most widely adopted sales training methodologies in the tech industry, Mike's researched how the best sales pros have a high EQ, there's that term again, and are able to build and b- to connect and build trust with buyers. This led him to build a framework around how to help the bottom 80% boost their EQ with a connection framework based on the power of story. He founded Mike Bosworth Leadership to begin teaching to to boosting EQ by using the power of storytelling for gaining trust and influencing with authority. And Mike, welcome to our show. Thanks for being with us.
2: Golly, I
1: was um, was
2: waiting for that intro to end.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've done an awful lot in your career. Mike, I wanted to go back a little bit because... You know we talk about sales enablement today like it's an everyday thing, but when you really got started doing this, there really wasn't that kind of a skill set really was there
2: not really i I You're really around. believe that uh in in nineteen eighty three and I started doing this well before that at, at xerox yeah. computer services i mean i I had my uh training as a sales trainer before I left xerox mm-hmm. but uh in 1983, when I uh, set out to um, to do solution selling, I think I was putting more structure around the actual process of how the seller and the buyer come together and converse than anybody had to date. Because I was able to integrate, I was able to reengineer my my customers' product training from pounding thousands of features into the brains of the salespeople to helping the salespeople with um, artificial, artificial intelligence about what discovery questions to ask and um, focus their brains on trying to ask intelligent questions rather than spew product information. And um, it was all well and good, <laughs> except that in 2008, I discovered that my original mission of um, raising the bottom 80% was going in the wrong direction. I uh, heard a speaker from an organization called Sales Benchmark Index named Greg Alexander in 2008 who um, reminded us of the old 80-20 rule. I I got exposed to the 20% of the salespeople bring in 80% of the revenue. In 1979, working with zero... with Neil Rackham on the spin project at Xerox. And uh, back at Xerox, that it was really interesting. They said, process improves performance, and we can teach salespeople to be more competent. We can teach salespeople to ask better questions and write better letters and make better cold calls. And handle objections better and close more smoothly. All of those are competent things that we can teach. But Xerox told me in 1976 "But we can't teach connection. We can't teach rapport. Uh-huh. That's chemistry. And it's the chemistry between every two people is unique. And when you went through solution selling in 1990, you probably heard me talk about that story because... Solution selling was a process for being competent with your buyer and properly positioning your product in the mind of the buyer, so you weren't selling vaporware, that you were really selling something your product could actually deliver, that you know you could end up with a happy customer. So solution selling was really the world's best product training. I did, yeah. have, a cl- I did have a clue over the years, though, that something was wrong and my intellectual arrogance caused me to not (laughs) deal with it, but about 20 times in 20 years, my former Eagle salesperson, now the vice president of the sales client, who hired me Mm. to train his or her sales force, would say to me, Mike, it's kind of crazy. The top 20% love solution selling, and the bottom 80% quit using it within two weeks of the workshop. Interesting. It wasn't until I heard Greg Alexander speak in 2008, and he told me that 80/20 had actually gotten worse. They did a, um, a mm. survey of 1,100 B2B sales forces, and 13% of the salespeople brought in 87% of the revenue. So I felt like I'd been mm, kicked amazing. In the
1: yeah, yeah, it's amazing, Mike. I mean, but again, it kind of proves where you are today, and Folks, by the way, today, of course, is Halloween, so happy Halloween to all of you. For those of you who are doing fun things tonight, that's <laughs> great. For those of you who've got kids, that's great. For the rest of us who are all in the sales profession or sales enablement profession, we're glad you're with us. And one of the things I wanted to say is I want to invite your questions and comments. We'll be, You'll be hearing that later, but feel free to email or call in later in the show. Uh, but we're always looking for feedback because we do this show for you, our our listener. And make sure you tell your friends because you're in for a real treat today. So, so Mike, you know, I I uh, I don't think it's possible to understate the importance of the things you've done because you you've continued to evolve your process over the years from solution selling through customer selling, and we're going to talk a lot today about story seekers. What, what are the biggest changes you have seen? Because you just talked about what's the same. You know, you're still yeah. looking now. is even worse than 80-20. What, right. what have you seen as changes in
2: process? Well, that, that um, learning that triggered me to kind of go into a crisis. And within 30 days, a few huge things happened to me that just caused me to go back and reevaluate what the real difference is between the intuitive eagles whether they're the top twenty percent mm. or the top thirteen percent call it what you will what the true yeah. difference between them and the bottom eighty percent is, and uh, I started researching that, and at the same time, I get exposed to the power of story by somebody who had just uh, graduated with a degree and Applied mythology and was calling all the sales training companies telling them they, sh- they should integrate storytelling into their curriculums. And I learned within the same 30 days that um, I had a rare form of muscular dystrophy and I was going to have to take a uh. whole different look at my future and my physical ability. And I saw some brain science that um, reinforced the power of story in the brain. And I started doing therapy because I'd been single for 10 years and was uh, struggling with the whole relationship thing. And all those things happened yeah. within uh, 30 days of each other in 2008. But Wow. But what Xerox told me in 1976 about you can't teach connection, I realized in 2008 that we can. We now mm. have the ability to teach Someone who's not, let's say, a natural connector, R- regardless of profession. I mean, if you think about the best teachers, they have, uh, they're much better at connecting yeah. with their audiences. And the best uh, C-level executives are usually great connectors. Uh, the most popular doctors and dentists are great connectors. And Malcolm Gladwell's actually even done statistics that show that people don't sue doctors that they're emotionally connected with regardless of the screw. So, anyway. Amazing. I really started uh, becoming a student of human connection. And um, Hmm. we found that stories are an amazing tool, especially for a salesperson that has a disparity, a big disparity with who he or she is selling to. For instance, um, now I did this intuitively, but in in 1978, when Xerox coerced me, Xerox Computer Services coerced me <laughs> into going into sales, selling first generation <laughs> M- MRP systems. Ah was, yes, right. I was my model. My my model for interacting with people up until that point was I'd had the good fortune of supporting on the help desk and in subsequent uh, a year of face-to-face customer support and six months as a rainmaker before they coerced yeah. me into going into sales, which I, I, I did against my better judgment because I had a real bias against salespeople back then. But anyway... The, you the knew the product, but you knew the product, right? So, Well, I, I was talking about the disparity between me as a young salesperson. So at 28 years old... yeah. I'm calling on 48-year-old materials managers and 58-year-old CFOs. Right. And the biggest challenge any salesperson has with any first-time touch is competence. And if there's a big disparity, like there was between me and my prospects, 28 years old versus 48 or 58, somehow intuitively I knew that even though I had a giant solution to two of their huge problems in my pocket at the time with our first-generation MRP system, we were changing people's lives with that. The the worst thing I could do as a 28-year-old is say, well, Phil, you're a CFO. You need a way to lower your inventory. And Ed, you're a uh, a materials manager. You need a way to deal with your shortages. They both needed a way to deal with those problems, but the worst thing I could have done as a salesperson is tell them what they needed to do. So intuitively, right. intuitively, luckily for me, I'd go out and I'd cold call a, a, a materials manager. Eighty percent of the time they'd come out in the lobby. We were, we were doing smokestacking back then, actually walking in. <laughs> and, and and there was a lot of reasons they'd come out at a high rate like that all tied to curiosity but when the materials manager yeah. would walk up to me as a 28-year-old I'd say oh so you're the materials manager here can I share a short story with you about another materials manager I've been working with less than a mile from here for the last 18 months I had a Yeah and that, that's really that's really big Yes, I was the installer on that account, so I had installed that. Ah, I knew how he did it before he had my product. I remember when he decided to buy our product because he was um he was being asked to be an innovator early adopter. There were no existing users, so yeah. he had to kind of step up and buy on his gut because uh We didn't have. He was our first, our first real assembly manufacturing company. So he (laughs) he was my legitimate story, and so that that materials manager, that stranger who'd come to the lobby, in in a year's time, not one of them ever turned down that story.
1: That's a great story. See, and that's what brings me back. What's really fascinating, Mike, is I remember deep learning solution selling from you back in the day. Yeah. And we, you, you, even though you didn't talk in the same tone you talk now about story seekers, right. you always focused on storytelling. It did. was always a focus.
2: Yes. But there was a big hole in that. But you were in that, in that storytelling. Oh back yeah. Then. And, and oh, I, I give you that. Yeah. We had the left brain component of the story, the numbers, the facts, yeah. the figures, the names, the de- dates, but there isn't any emotion to it because we mm. weren't really making the customer the hero in the story, and we weren't telling the customer's emotional journey. So, so right. As far as the way we taught but, it in solution selling, yet if I go back and look sure. what I was doing intuitively at 28, I was telling the emotional yes. journey. That's why I, in, a, in my first five months in sales, I sold more than anybody in the history of the company sold in a full year, intuitively, because yeah. I was leading the story. And they were concluding right. from my little 90-second story, so less than two minutes into my meeting with a stranger, they were concluding mm-hmm. on their own that this kid is young, but he understands my job. He's competent. Right. And and
1: that to me is a critical aspect of this. And, and you used a couple of terms, Mike, that I'm very familiar with from you. But one of them, I, I, I heard this term the first time, you know, from you. Used it ever since then, which is the term "intuitive eagle." Right. You were an intuitive eagle.
2: Yeah. Y- you most you got it. Presidents of sales, Phil, uh, uh, big sales forces are former intuitive eagles. Yeah, Which means, yeah. because they were intuitive, they don't know how to coach their bottom
1: 80%. Exactly. And that's what, you know, and I use this analogy before, Mike, and I think you're absolutely correct, because it also speaks to why, I always use a sports analogy to describe this, it's why great athletes in a sport rarely become great coaches. Exactly. It's not the same not skill. About it they it doesn't it work. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's why Magic Johnson tried to coach to the LA the, Lakers uh, and he couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. The journeyman. But no, you're has absolutely he right, needs Mike. Needs to know the X's and O's.
1: Yes, and, and they clearly do, and that's what's so fascinating. And so, again, I, I've always believed that solution selling was telling stories at its core. Now, I realize there's a lot more boxes to check there i do understand that but it seems to me we've kind of i won't say come full circle but we've gone down a path where the power of the story the art of telling the story in this day and age of selling is so critical because our buyer is so much more is so much smarter than they used to be
2: so i think it's critical So, i tell you what, Mike, what we're going to do. Go ahead. And I used to do this on the flip chart, but remember when I draw the circle and uh, say, this is your sales territory, tell me about your sales territory? And then we drew that little narrow piece of the pie and realized that at best 5% of the people out there are looking, which means 95% are not looking. Right, right. So, and I, Mike, when we come back, we're going to talk about that
1: 95% because that to me right. is really critical about what sales right. organizations are going through today. We will be right back after this short break on Voice America with Mike Bosworth. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Mavrin Sales and Marketing is a methodology independent and worldwide resource to help organizations better execute on sales process, sales coaching, sales planning, territory development, partner execution, and related topics. The organization works across all industries. Sales has certain elements that are beyond training and are better addressed by a company like Mavrin, where each situation is unique. Reach out to Maverick by email at psbmaverick at gmail.com or call 404-840-4927.
1: Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market.
0: is sales execution optimization the new seo to reach phil bush or his guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to psbush at bellsouth.net now back to sales execution optimization
1: I want to thank all of you who've been emailing and calling in. We appreciate it very, very much. And you're welcome to call in because one of the things about Mike having having been through his classes, having coached with Mike, I mean, it's just a, a great opportunity. And sales execution optimization is what I call it, Mike. And you've got an aspect of it in terms of the art of the story that I think is so fascinating. So I want to really you know we talk about the notion of the enablement business really getting off the ground and you going from a very good seller to a manager and then to building out this thing that we started calling solution selling and it was very very popular and, and then we wanted it and then i wanted and and you kind of reminded me that the whole time we were doing it you were talking about stories a- and it was interesting and what i want to talk about in this uh, in this time is what do you see, you work with so many sales organizations and seeing them transform themselves with many of the things you have, what do you see the biggest issue? And you talked, I think you began talking about it in our last segment, which is great sellers don't always make the best sales leaders. Right,
2: and the the reason they don't is they have, they, they're, um, they're doing the emotional connection and trust building part intuitively. Yes, absolutely. And the reason that... Eagle salespeople loved solution selling, is they had the intuitive ability to know that they should keep that paint sheet, that list of uh, mm-hmm. discovery questions in their pocket until the buyer trusted them and was connected. Yes, then, absolutely. Once they knew that, they'd take that list of questions out and they'd be even more competent. Yeah. Be- because I've, now they're asking yeah. the questions written by the smartest person in the company. And so that's why their performance went up with social selling. But the bottom 80% did not have that intuitive ability to connect. And so they went to their sales process too soon. They went to their sales process of asking these intelligent discovery questions before the buyer was connected enough and trusted them enough to open up and answer those questions. So the buyers would start pushing back, and they'd say, "You don't know me well enough to ask me all these questions." Right,
1: and And it's funny, Mike. You're right about that. Solution
2: to that for the bottom
1: eighty percent. And what's interesting to me, Mike, is I certainly concur with everything you've said here. And I always tell people when I'm coaching them in sales, when they're trying to talk about the customer they're talking about now, to do what you talked about earlier. You don't talk about that customer. You say. At another account, I have been at. Yeah, we help them do X and Y and Z,
2: and the he odds are, as you also pointed out, struggle. He yes, trusted us enough to say I've got the VP of manufacturing mad at me, and the CFO mad at me, and I've got my customers mad at me. They trusted us enough to open up with their struggle. Right. If if your prospect won't share their struggle with you. You're never gonna sell me anything. Yeah. And
1: that's the question I was gonna ask you, interestingly enough, Mike. I really wanted to get I really wanted to have your perspective on this. You know, we've talked a lot in, in sales execution optimization over the last several weeks about how sales has evolved over the last, you know, pick a number of years, but really I will say the internet era where data propagation, you know, data is everywhere yeah, all yep. the time. So do sellers have it harder today because of that
2: propagation, do you feel like? And how well, do you it's overcome it? It's, it's certainly different because, you know, I told you when I was co calling in, in 74, 80% of those materials <laughs> managers would come out to the lobby when the receptionist called and said, uh, hey, Ed, there's a guy from Xerox here, Xerox, who wants to talk to our materials manager. Will you come out? And they'd come out. Yeah. Well, they, were, right. they came out because they were curious. But back then... The only way that 48-year-old manufacturing executive could learn anything about any cool new technology was to see the salesman from IBM or Honeywell or Xerox or Burroughs. Back then, technology salespeople were educating the market. Yes. And, and their power was that if the customer wanted to see their product and get a demo, they had to be nice to them. Yeah yeah they don't have that anymore, Phil. <laughs> no, because now they can, they can do their own research on the Internet, which yeah, I... means you've got a very anytime you meet a stranger as a salesperson, somebody you've never met before, you've got basically two minutes to connect, and at the end of two minutes, we have a test to see if we're connected, and uh, it's a it's a black or white test at the end of two minutes. But uh, if you're not connected in two minutes, it's probably not going to happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right, Mike. And so, so, I guess that's that's interesting to me because the nature of connection is kind of what we you've, you've talked about a lot with me off not only on this in this forum but in a lot of forums and clearly it's it's like I said everything old is is new again just maybe with different language around it but it's the same basic concepts. Yeah. So how, how does a seller overcome the fact that before they meet a potential buyer, that the buyer believes they know everything. I'm not saying they do, but they think they do. How does a buyer right. overcome that?
2: Well, should me a seller people, overcome that. People Sorry. People are best convinced by reasons they themselves discover. Ah. And so, if you think about it, the reason no materials manager ever turned me down for that story is people are curious about their peers. Mm. So if, Very if good. you're a, if you're a software entrepreneur Phil and I said, "Oh, Phil, you're a software entrepreneur, can I share a short story with you about another software entrepreneur I know?" Yeah, tell me you would turn down that
1: story. Exactly, you the won't. power of story. No, you you're, won't, because you're, you're you're curious, curious
2: about your yeah. peer. Yes, so that's the first thing is you just got to ask them if you can get permission to tell the story. That takes ten seconds. Yeah. Now the that first story of someone. In the same, with the same what we call buyer persona, same industry, same job title, high probability pain, basic solution selling, all the way back, right? We're yeah. telling them a story about how someone parentheses just like you. We don't want to yeah. say just like you. Yeah. Um, had these struggles, and he, he trusted us to have a conversation with about his struggles. We talked about his struggles, and then we proposed some ideas to him. We said, what if you could do this or this? And he said yes, and here we are now 18 months later, and his inventory turns have gone from 1.9 to 6, and his past due backlog is now less than 5%. But here's the test. Enough about me, Phil. What's going on here? Right. So that's less and, than And that's a very from, important. Yeah. Less than two minutes from touching him, We tell a very carefully crafted story, which has a setting, a struggle, a buying vision, a uh, result, and even a why embedded in it, where the customer is the hero of that story. Our product is not the hero. We, Our company is not the hero. Our customer is the hero. Their peer is the hero. And so... When they think, gee, my peer has just solved a problem and I haven't figured out how to solve that yet, all of a sudden he doesn't think he's so smart anymore.
1: Right. And I think that's really critical, Mike, because... um... You know, what's interesting to me is is you mentioned, you know, you talked about that one of those two things that I, I, I think are important here. Sometimes when I'm working with sellers who want to do what you're saying, they don't quite know how to do it. They want to do it. Right, right. But they say, well, I've I read about this company and know they have this and this and this. I say, stop, because you never tell someone their baby's ugly. You yeah. just don't do it. You always do yeah. what you said, which is I work with another company. That had an issue like this, and, and it, was a it's, it makes all the difference in the world.
2: the The key, the key is uh, the key to that story is there's a hero in it, and the hero is a human yes. being with a job title.
1: Right. Absolutely. So, hero creation is something that you can really get to the to start that whole process yep. with a story. And it's really critical, folks, as you're listening in ears as you're listening to what Mike's saying here is hero, you know, just because you, you think you have a great product, I got bad news for you. It really doesn't matter that much. It matters that you can help the buyer be a hero in their environment. And that's what I think is really critical. you your time there too, Phil, right? You should walk away. Right. Absolutely. Well, you should walk away because it's not going to happen right so so, you know mike what that's fascinating stuff and mike you know one of the things that's always intrigued me about the work that you have done because you i know you work with a lot of sales teams around the world but you also have worked a lot with marketing and how marketing and sales interact has always been kind of a i don't know if you call it a love-hate relationship or a back and forth or whatever but you know How do you see them interacting successfully
2: today? What do they do and what don't they do? It's so simple. (laughs) It's amazingly simple. I mean, if you think about it, the touch point between sales and marketing in most companies is the lead. And salespeople say the leads from marketing aren't worth the paper they're printed on. And marketing says we send these hot leads to sales and they fall into a black hole and we never hear anything (laughs) back. Oh yeah. Oh that so, oh that's definitely the case. So yeah. in in our model, you know, we part of sending a competent salesperson out there is that they have a quiver of arrows. They have an arrow in their quiver for every job title they're gonna encounter and have to have an intelligent conversation with. Yeah. So if they have yeah, okay. those arrows in their quiver, then you know they can relate to maybe it's maybe it's only three or four or five job titles. Maybe that's all. Maybe that's right. all we need. But those stories have to be practiced and c- constructed properly, where, where the customer is the hero. There's three types of stories salespeople need. The first one is one we just discovered: we, a, a customer hero story. We call them a "who we've helped" story. Mm. But if the buyer uh, decides to take them seriously and they get into a sell cycle, at some point in time, the buyers gonna want to know who they are as a human being. So we have them construct a three-minute or less who I am story, which is why I do what I do. And in that Mm -hmm. story, there's some struggle, which leads the buyer to the conclusion that I have character. So the first story I told the buyer leads the buyer to the conclusion that I'm competent. Now I have to lead them to the conclusion that I have character. And that after two minutes, I say, enough about me. Tell me about you, Phil. You're going to do one of two things. What are they?
1: You're, you're going to either agree that they're competent and have character and
2: tell them. You open up and say, or, oh, you open up and right. start freely talking about your situation. Yeah. And you're able to admit that you're having the same struggle is the hero in the story. Yeah. Head. So we're leading him to right. the struggle, which is our strength in the story. Yes. So we're properly yeah, positioning I think that's our product via the story.
1: Yeah. Well, Mike, I think one of the things you just mentioned that I feel like a lot of sellers miss in the world of selling. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and you've seen this, I know, many times I've worked with many sales forces and you've always got those sellers who think they're artists and, yep. and they don't need to practice. They, they just get it. And, and, you know, I think you oh. just laid, laid a very good
2: point out. You got to practice. You're making you me to. groan because, you know, if you think about it, <laughs> sales is the only highly paid profession I know of where the professionals don't practice. If you're a amazing? baseball player, you practice. If you're Larry Bird, mm-hmm. you can take 300 shots before every game, practice shots. Yeah. Steph right. Curry practices like crazy, but salespeople yes. don't practice. And I believe the number one reason they don't practice is they've never had a framework for connecting with strangers. And yes. that's what we're bringing to the market now is a framework for connecting with strangers. And uh, it's pretty amazing because most – if you go below the top 20%, the next 50% in most companies, those people, they'd hire them again today. They're people of character. They hired them two years ago. And over two years, they've grown to be extremely competent. So now they can help with new employees. They don't make promises to customers you can't keep. They'll come in at 7.30 in the morning and help you, you know, manage manage a problem. Yet, after two years right. on the payroll, they're not meeting yours or their expectations. The missing right. piece is that connection, Phil. And literally, yeah. Yeah. we can, in two and a half days, take somebody who is fully competent, person of character, but not connecting, and teach them how to connect, and they explode.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because you know, to to me, Mike, I, I, the name itself has is, is fascinated me since since you went it down this path because it, it, it's you know I, I called I of course I talked about sales and the art of the story because I talk a lot and we'll talk a lot in our next segment about vision and, and how that relates to this. But you talk you call the program Story
2: Seekers. Correct. How did that name come about? Because. From 2008 to 2010, we were focused on storytelling. And we we came up with the inventory, the who I am story, the who I represent, the who we've helped. Yet we realized that we hadn't cracked the connection code yet. And my wife is a therapist. And uh, Mm. she said, Well, we've got to now help them get the buyer story. Ah. Okay. So after two minutes, I say, Enough about me. Tell me about you. And. Right. If my story worked, you open up. I mean, those materials managers back in 1974, they'd say, you want to come in and take a look around? They'd offer me a tour yeah. after two minutes because of the story. Sure. So now, in the yeah. next 45 minutes, I tended their story. And the skill we're teaching people that's really revolutionary is how to tend the buyer's story and get the buyer's story out of them, or it might take a... 30 45 50 minutes and then recap their story back to the buyer in less than 60 seconds and say did i get you yeah and Very that's interesting. where the connection really happens so the story kind yeah. of earns you the right to ask the questions remember how the buyers uh with solution selling journeyman they'd say you don't know me well enough to ask me those questions yet Well, right, the story right. Leads the buyer to the conclusion that you're a competent person, and and so they're more willing to open up and share their story. And so the art of tending yeah. is how to get all the key elements of the buyer's story and know that you've got the whole arc, and then play it back and say, "Did I get yeah. you?" Yeah. So that and the there, therein lies part. the story seekers.
1: Yeah, yeah so we're seeking. I the think that's brilliant, story. Mike.
2: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's brilliant. So, so we changed, I, and I hadn't, I hadn't hadn't put seekers, that together. Yeah, after we after we finally figured out that we needed to teach the connective listening, the questioning. Yeah,
1: connective yeah. listening. So so I talk, I call it strategic listening. Uh, but I think Mike, I, I completely concur with everything you've said here. And I think what we've learned in in this area is the notion of where sales organizations are today. the the dip the change and the difficulty of being a seller today because the propagation of data has you know put all the data out there at least the the buyer thinks all the data is out there so the seller has to be better prepared they have to practice, as you have described so eloquently. And there is that connection between sales and marketing. As you mentioned, the one thing is the lead. So it's going to be interesting as we talk about this, some of the takeaways that we want to give, give you, the listener, from this going forward. It's going to be interesting to hear how Mike talks about how to take what he's saying and move it forward. We'll be right back after this short break on Sales Execution Optimization. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Maverin sales and Marketing is a methodology independent and worldwide resource to help organizations better execute on sales process, sales coaching, sales planning, territory development, partner execution, and related topics. The organization works across all industries. Sales has certain elements that are beyond training and are better addressed by a company like Maverin, where each situation is unique. Reach out to Maverin by email at psbmaverin at gmail.com or call 404-840-4927. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. This is Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO to reach phil bush or his guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to psbush at bellsouth.net now back to sales execution optimization
1: Well, it's great to have you all with us today about with the sales execution optimization today. The title of our show, Sales and the Art of the Story, and you've heard some fascinating things from my guest today, Mike Bosworth, one of the real true pioneers in the art of sales enablement. And, and we've learned from Mike today the notion of what's facing a sales organization, where story seekers came from. And, and Mike, you know, one of the things I talk about with a lot of my clients is the nature of vision setting with the with mm. them and and really it seems to me that story seekers it, it really that's just part of telling a story is setting a vision or vice versa depending on your situation but it's very fascinating to me and by the way the word vision is not I'm not married to that word with any client it could be vision roadmap journey but to me it's a story it really is
2: and you're well, setting that the, story the where the customer sees the them so. is a uh, buying vision yeah. And yes. a buying vision means the buyer now has a vision of under what circumstances he or she could solve their problem or achieve their goal. And right. if the seller has earned the right to pose a buying vision, and if there's a sequence. You know I'm a proponent of the buy cycle. We can't propose a buying, yes. buying vision until the buyer says yes you get my struggle yes you get my problem right okay so i'll ask and, and that to me impatient. is a big takeaway Yeah. they want to get to the solution and uh, they haven't fully yeah. defined the struggle right so then at that point right. Absolutely. we teach people to propose a buying vision say i would say phil can i try a couple of ideas on you mm-hmm. uh-huh say okay i remember that and then it would be an event driven idea yeah. What if the next time one of your major vendors calls you on a Friday and says those widgets we're supposed to deliver next week, fill on Monday, they're going to be 10 days late? Yeah. You could overnight replan your manufacturing and have a, on, a, on your desk the next day the list of the 10 most critically impacted customers with their phone numbers so you could call them up, beg forgiveness, and apologize in advance. Right. It's, oh, it's, wow. The, the buying vision is when they can see themselves responding differently to an event in their life that causes them struggle. Yeah. Which is That's... why we really want the smartest people in the company are, um, architecting these buying visions. We don't want salespeople making up their own stuff or they're going to be selling vaporware. Oh, yeah. Right. And uh, we've all seen that before. Oh, and I think those
1: of us uh, in the sales business, we've all done that. Not that we wanted to, but you're right, Mike. And, And so those of you out there listening, you know, take what Mike's saying here and think about how you can become that kind of a seller. The art of the story is so critical in today's buying environment, because if you can't tell that story and you can't make that connection why would that buyer possibly disclose to you what they're dealing with? And I think that's something so critical about the whole notion of story seekers, Mike.
2: It really well, we're is. We're seeking the buyer's story, and one of the elements of the story is their buying vision. So the buyer's story has their setting, their struggle, parentheses, yeah. the struggle that matches well up with what we sell. Their buying right. vision, she told me she needed a way when this happened to respond differently. We told her we thought we could give her those capabilities. She said, prove it. We did. Here we are two years later. This is better. This is better. This is better. This is better. So the buying right. vision is part of the hero story.
1: Yeah. So Yeah, it and, and don't underestimate hero one. creation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's hero creation. Yeah. I like that. I'm going to write. It that down. It's very important. You write that one down, Mike. Feel free. I've written down enough of yours, so you take one of we mine. That's just fine. But hero creation.
2: Feel <laughs> too. Um, you know, I was telling you that I use the term connective listening, and you and use the term strategic listening. Well, we're yeah. both right because it has to be connected and strategic. And. When we're seeking the yeah. story, we know, oh, this part of the story goes in their struggle. Oh, this is their buying vision. Oh, this is the result they hope they're getting. They, that information goes into buckets as you seek their story. It's strategic. Right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It is strategic. Yeah. So
1: sellers who are out there listening, one of the things you want to think about, and I invite, I, w- I would encourage all of you who've got active sales, you're trying to sell something, whatever it is, whatever product or service it is, Think about what you've heard today in terms of if have you made that connection with your buyer? And, and, and if you say no, I'm not being critical of anybody out there. Believe me, I'm very happy for you all to be listening in. Just think about how do you improve, change, advance, and create that hero out of your buyer? What do you do? Because in this day and age, it's so critical. Wouldn't
2: you say, Mike? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, And uh, I try and make my customers the hero. The, the secret, yeah, uh, the, the little secret that comes out eventually with my clients is we, you and I talked earlier about the vice president of sales typically being a former um, intuitive eagle. And so because right. he, he or she was an intuitive eagle when they sold, they don't know how to coach the bottom 80%. Well Story nope. Seekers gives them a framework for coaching the bottom eighty percent and that's why they love it. Ah. And that to me is very critical. Yeah. They never knew how right. to coach connection. Yeah. Now they have a framework no. for coaching their people to connect.
1: Right. And I think that's so important. Because I, I, I see so many VPs of sales, as you said, they were the top seller. That's how they ended yep. up being the VP of sales. And, exactly and right. I'm not saying, and that's just the, and that's just the way it works. It's I, neither good nor bad, it just is. So we, you know, we have to do it that way. So the critical nature of it is give them a, a tool, a framework, whatever you want to call it. I like the term framework personally, a framework to coach the bottom 80% the top Internet. 20% if yeah. you're, in case you are wondering they don't need it right <laughs> they're intuitive eagles they got it figured out they're intuitive eagles and they figured it out it's the it's the bottom 80% where you win or win or make or break your business for most businesses right. out there i would say right that's the so, holy
2: grail of Mike. really putting money you know i mean the sales enablement uh, industry has been failing yeah. over 40 years if 80/20 went to um uh, 87/13 yeah as an Amazing. industry, we have failed. So, I think it 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 yeah. really proves that we haven't solved the problem, and the problem is connection, right. not competence. All that other, right. All those sales methodologies are teaching competence.
1: Yeah. Now that's a critical point, folks out there, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think any of you out there are sitting around going, I'm sure you already all think you're competent. So I'm not saying you're not or you are. But what Mike is talking about here is the nature of making that connection, the connection between seller and buyer. And it is so critical in a day and age where we have buyers who are very confident they're the smartest people in the room. And whether they are or not, it doesn't matter. They think they are. And since they think they are sellers, you have to be able to connect with them. And the best way to do that is with a story. And I think yep. Mike's illustrated that. So, Mike, if you, you know, short of them attending your workshops, which I know you have in different parts of the country, and uh, I'm very fascinated where I'm going to want to go and just sit in the back and take, you know, six days worth of notes, which is I like to do because I you've always got such week, interesting so elements. In I wish you could have been there. <laughs> I wish I could have been, too, because it would have been great. But, you know, what would you recommend to the average listener of of sales execution optimization? What do they do with – let's say they have a few deals that they're actively working right now. What would you recommend they do just to get started?
2: Um, I would make sure they fully understand their potential customers' needs – before they yeah. bring up anything about budget, authority, or timing, or, or can you buy or will you buy. Ah, uh, all the um, usual stuff, right? Yeah, salespeople get impatient, and uh, the biggest problem with pipelines out there is that um, they're sick, and they're based on lies, <laughs> and they're, they're, they're based on the salesperson having happy years and thinking that they know the customer's needs. Yes. And they really don't, and they haven't yeah. really empowered their customers. They've been uh, they've been slinging product and technology, hoping the customer is going to see enough things that they want to buy it. Hoping
1: something will stick. Yeah, the old story. And, yeah. and again, in this day and age, it sticks less because we've got a lot smarter buyer on our hands. So, folks out there who are in the selling profession, whether you're a salesperson, a sales management, or a sales enablement person. Listen carefully to what Mike's saying is be sure that you understand and think about how you can create and and, and seek that story and where you can create a hero out of your potential buyer because that's going to be really a difference in how you approach things from the average seller who you're competing with. I think that's what makes story seeking so important in this day and age.
2: Yeah, when you look at your pipeline um – Look for public displays of trust. Ah. And, and the best way to look for those is in the correspondence between the seller and the buyer. You know, if I'm a manager, I want to see in writing that the buyer's really shared their struggle, their pain. And yeah. I want to see in writing that the buyer really has a buying vision with right. potential results. If I can't see that in the correspondence between the seller and the buyer, then those needs haven't been qualified enough. Right. Oh, no so question. Yeah. qualified need is a prerequisite for qualifying the rest of the stuff, the budget, authority, timing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, well, I agree, Mike, and it's really interesting because, as I, as I said up front earlier on in, the, in our show, the more things change, the more they remain the same, and everyone kind of flows back to those things you just said about qualification when the reality is qualification should be about what you just talked about which is the notion of the public display of trust between seller and buyer. And have you found a way to really get the buyer to be a hero? Yep. Have you done it? Because if yep. you haven't, do you really have a prospect or you just have a name on your forecast that looks like one?
2: be nice to a- give a, each, each opportunity in the forecast a
1: hero test. Exactly. It's a great test, ladies and gentlemen yeah. who are listening out there. Give it a hero test. And if you don't, haven't done it. And this, by the way, Mike, I believe is why I have worked with a number of clients. I know you have, too, where we see the same deal on the forecast quarter after quarter after, quarter. after yeah. quarter. It's astonishing. And and the and the seller will always tell you, oh, I'm going to get it now this quarter after Five quarters of not getting it,
2: and the really, number one missing thing is a buying vision. The, the, yes, the, the seller said we're going to solve your problem for you, or our product's yeah. going to solve your problem, and the buyer's saying, "Gee, do I just plug that product in my in my problem?" Oh yeah, way? you know, oh they yeah. have a vision of how they're Don't. going to be a hero. That's so right. Lack of a hero vision is the number one uh, problem with pipelines.
1: Well. Mike, this has been a fascinating time for me, and, and I feel like I know many of the things you talk about pretty well, but I'm, I think our audience has got a whole raft full of notes, so this has been great. and you know, I think from the time you've been in the enablement business before you were in the business, when you were still at Xerox, you you were always telling stories, and we learned that today. Yeah. Um, and you we, we, we have been. and it's it's part of being an intuitive eagle seller. You know, and today we also talked about the fact that sellers have to work harder because of the propagation of data that's out there. Marketing and sales have a logical interaction, a place, and that setting. And I talked about setting a vision, and and the best way to do it is through a story, and make that buyer into a hero, folks. That's what's going to take it. And you've learned from one of the masters of the craft, and Mike Bosworth. Mike, I cannot thank you enough for being on the show today. It's been a real treat for for me, for our audience, for sure. And uh, I'm gonna find my way to that next workshop. I promise you, because I need to learn all over again. But uh, folks, you know, we've had a, a, another great hour of talk with a, a tremendous guy. Who, Mike, I you know, I learned learned a lot of my lessons in sales from you. And thank you very much for being with us today. It's been a treat. And uh for those of you who join us every week, you've learned a lot today and taken some good notes. And next week, we're going to have a VP of Sales from one of the largest software companies in the world, Brent Prosser from N4 is going to join us. He's going to talk about the front lines of sales and what's happening out there today. And it's going to be very fascinating for us. So I wanted to thank Mike. Thank you very, very much. Great, great having you with us. And I hope we get to do this again sometime. And uh, for those for our entire Voice America crew, and especially my guest today, Mike Bosworth, this is Phil Bush saying we will see you next week on Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO.
0: Thank you for listening this week. Sales Execution Optimization, the new SEO, can be heard live every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week.